welcome to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal. Along with my co-host, Chris Kay, we discuss and dissect the songs, albums, and bands of the music we are most passionate about, heavy metal. So sit back, relax, turn it up to 11, and let the debate begin. Hello again and welcome back to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, along with my co-host, Chris K. This week, we're changing things up a bit. There's no head-to-head, there's no greatest hits. This week, we're going to talk about the different metal genres today that are leading the charge and defending the faith, and then dive into the state of heavy metal today. We'll be discussing metalcore gen and other forms of modern metal, while also examining where heavy metal is headed as we all try to navigate through the current musical landscape. We've also got our big four Lamb of God songs, so stay tuned until the end to check that out. This week, we're also going to read some of your big fours that were also sent in to us. In the meantime, however, if you missed last week, we picked Metallica's Greatest Hits, where we picked 15 of our favorite tracks each, and then compiled them together into one big list. We did the same thing with Megadeth the previous week. So be sure to check both of those out. We also picked our big four Metallica songs, so be sure to check out last week's episode to hear what we chose. And I have another slab of rusty metal where I reach into the archives and highlight a classic metal album that I feel is worth giving a listen to again while exposing our younger listeners to some albums that they may not have heard about. Chris also has another Freshly Forged where he picks a new album or band that he thinks you might enjoy. As always, be sure to download or stream the episode or any of the older ones on all the major podcast platforms. And while you're there, click subscribe or follow and get our latest episode every Friday morning. And don't forget to rate us and drop a review. We also want to read your opinions on these or any of our other topics. So if you like what we had to say or just want to rip us a new one, send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com or message us on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. So before we get to Rusty Metal, let's go over some of your fan-made Big Four Metallica songs. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Uh, I like that there was a, a lot of interaction this time with uh, the Metallica uh, Big Four, so we've got some to read. Um, it, yeah, it's quite cool, quite interesting. Uh, not as across the board as I thought it was going to be. It definitely leans more towards the classic Metallica, but still quite awesome. Uh, that we we got this much feedback. Uh, you want to go first? Uh, you know what? Let me go first with mine uh, because I got a couple more than you do. Okay. Okay, so my buddy Matt sent me an email, and uh, he put down his big four as The Outlaw Torn, Blackened, Master of Puppets, and Creeping Death. So that's, uh, that's got some songs that sound familiar to our big four. So that's pretty cool. For sure. Uh, what were one of yours? All right, so I spoke to my friend George and got his this time. So I'm going to try to do that with a lot of these bands since he is such a metalhead. Uh, for his number four, he's got Creeping Death, then Damage Incorporated, and Justice for All. And his, his number one was Master of Puppets. That's cool. So there's a, there's a theme there. There's two songs that I seem to keep hearing about. Creeping Death and Master of Puppets. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we got a an email from one of our listeners named Carlos. Uh, he sent in his big four as uh, number four, Harvester of Sorrow, 
number three, Sad But True, number two, Creeping Death, and number one, Master of Puppets. So there we go again with Creeping Death and Master of Puppets. So that's pretty cool. All right, and then we've got Mo with uh, Fade to Black 1, Nothing Else Matters, and his number one was Enter Sandman. Wow. Okay, so he's a... Some he, of the softer side. Yeah, he's a, he little, he's a little on the softer side, the gentle Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, here's a cool one that we got from, from someone who listens. He Actually, he listens here in Houston, and he is a guitar player for a local tribute band, so that's pretty cool. He put down... Uh, number four, Sad But True. Number three, Harvester of Sorrow. Number one, um, excuse me, number two, one. And number one, Disposable Heroes. So that's a, that's a pretty cool, that's, it's a little different. He also mentioned that, that these were songs that he just never could get enough of uh, as he was playing the crap out of all the, the Metallica songs that he could because he's a really good guitar player. So that's pretty cool. That's awesome. We definitely want to hear more of those each week. Definitely want to hear more about those each week. So send in your emails to us. Give us your big fours from all the topics that we give out a big four on, and we'll read them on the air. And I got one last one that I want to read, and it's it's quite funny. It, it's from a, uh, a young lady named Arlette, uh, and she's from Miami. And she sent an email in, and I asked for a big four. As, as you guys know, every week I post it on social uh, social media. And she sent me one, and it was Enter Sandman. And you know what? I'll give it to her. I don't know how much of a metalhead she is, but you know, just saying Enter Sandman's her favorite song is pretty cool. So I'll give, I'll give her that one. All right. This week's Rusty Metal is from the band Zaxxon and their Denim and Leather album. That was released in 1981 on Carrere Records. It was produced by Nigel Thomas and Zaxxon, and it was recorded at Aquarius Studios in Geneva, Switzerland. Um, this is the fourth album from the new wave of British heavy metal band. Um, the album contains the hits Princess of the Night, Never Surrender, and The Band Played On, and it also includes their crowd favorite, Denim and Leather. That song was my first exposure to Zaxxon. Uh, I heard that song. I don't think there was a video for it, but I did hear it on radio, uh, local metal radio that we had in New York. And it's just a, it's a cool song because it's it's an anthem for the fans, you know. They 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 talk about going to your the club on a Friday night or Saturday night and and you know getting you know rushing to the front of the stage and checking out your favorite band and you know the singer the drummer the bass player. It's so cool how they just it's a fan song. I love that song. That was one that that is my favorite Zaxxon song. So Denim and Leather continued a string of strong releases by the band as that as their following grew. Um, the a- the album actually gave them most of their mainstream appeal up to that point. Um, they w- they were just building and building and building, and that album kind of I don't want to say it was their crossover hit because it wasn't, but it was their most accessible out of all the albums that they had released up to that point. And it, it kept getting uh, they they kept doing stronger albums afterward, but then it kind of slowed down there towards the end of the 80s but one one crossover hit they did have came a couple albums later uh for the song broken heroes but this album was was just really strong it kept the momentum going for them as i said earlier it was my first exposure this album was my first exposure to zaxon the odd thing about it though was i never really got into their other previous albums it kind of grew from this point forward 
and I had heard and I had seen, you know, Strong Arm of the Law. I had heard, I had seen Crusader, the album cover everywhere, you know, when I went to the record store, but I never bought the albums. It wasn't until much later when I got into CDs in the late 80s and early 90s that that's when I got exposed to their older stuff. So it's kind of weird, kind of worked backwards, even though it was current at the time. So it's very strange. But it, it is an album I like a lot. I got the remastered version. I have the older version. So whatever you guys can get your hands on out there, take a listen to this album. It's really cool. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a classic for sure. Years ago, I remember watching that metal show with Biff Byford on it. And uh, he was talking about the album. It was just really cool to hear, you know, the story, the origin of, of you know, the concept. And, and, you know, so many people in that in the genre really look up to that that time period, that album as a, as a huge influence on them. So definitely a good pick. Cool. What do you got for Freshly Forged this week? All right. So uh, this one is uh, a band that uh, definitely deserves their due. They've been around for, you know, God, 50 years now. And uh, that's ACDC with their new album, Power Up. I was very pleasantly surprised. I I very much enjoyed this album so far. The first few tracks, Realize, Rejection, Shot in the Dark's really good. Uh, Then on the second side of the album, if you're you're still into getting vinyl, um, but uh, track seven, uh, Demon Fire is pretty awesome. I know you like that one a lot. That's and, an awesome. And uh, the final track, Code Red, is really great. The whole album I can listen to and and really enjoy. It's it's nothing like super substantial where you're just like, man, this is mind blowing. But there's something about it that there's just a lot of heart. And I think it's these guys that have been playing together for so long throughout the years. You know, various incarnations. But this is this is the the core group. Uh, unfortunately, without Malcolm. Uh, but Stevie's really stepped up and done a great job since he joined the band, um, and and you know it's it's the guys that have been playing together for most of the career of ACDC, and they've put together an album that really pays tribute to Malcolm. Uh, Power Up is just a lot of fun. It's 41 minutes, so not super long listen, but it's worth it. It's it's you know it's it's the culmination of a career in a way. And uh, I'm glad to see they're still around, still kicking, and not just putting out music just to put out music, but but uh, you know they put put out something that's actually really enjoyable to listen to. Yeah, I I listened to it Friday night on my way to my baseball game, and that was definitely uh, a surprise because I I personally think that Rock or Bust was more bust than rock (laughs) and um to hear this one it was really really cool i mean demon fire is an awesome song and and beyond that the production of it is great they've never put out a badly produced album including all the stuff all the way back in the 70s so they've always had good production this continues that but this is a strong album this is you know as they i've read the you know what is it rolling stone said it was their best album in 30 years I disagree. I think it's their best album in 25 years because I think Ball Breaker was a pretty damn good album. So this is very good. So go out there and get it. It's pretty pretty neat. Absolutely. All right. So that brings us to our main topic today. And this is going to be more of a uh, literally like an open discussion more than anything else. Um, our main topic today is, is going to be modern metal and some of the some of the bands and some of the genres that make up today's modern metal we've recently gone over some melodic death metal with some different bands that we've we've touched upon 
Um, but we haven't gone. That's more on, on the, I guess, on the Swedish side, uh, European side. So now, basically, what's what's in America right now is is metalcore, and that's, I guess, the biggest genre of metal that's that's happening right now, or something close to that effect. And quite honestly, the the question that I posed to you, Chris, during the week when we were deciding on this, is. What is you know what what genre of music or genre of metal is really leading the forefront right now? Who 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 are the ones? Who are the bands? And which genre are the ones that are leading the charge? I mean, I guess in in the term of of financial not financial success, um, commercial success. I guess in the term of commercial success, uh, that I mean that would be metalcore. I mean that's that's the 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 thing that really got popular in the 2000s, you know, bands like uh, Avenged Sevenfold, Killswitch Engage, uh, As I Light Dying, Shadows Fall. These bands all kind of uh, grew out of, you know, what was what was the the norm, and became the the mainstays themselves. And for me, like, that's not something I ever really followed with. So it's it's odd now because it, uh, we we were you know having a good discussion about you know who who's going to take metal to the next level like where where is uh where's the it going as a whole and to a degree i feel like sometimes i'm stuck in a certain time period because there's these bands that i love and that i can relate to and that i really enjoy but there's a whole genre you know multiple genres out there that i don't even pay attention to that are just as popular, if not more popular, sometimes than the bands that I care about. Yeah, it was weird. So my exposure to metalcore and, and what was starting to happen at, at the time that it came out was when I went back to the music business in 2004. I started working for a record store again in Miami. Same store, basically a different company. It was owned by a, a completely different corporation this time. And I went back as, a, as an assistant manager and got exposed to some of the music that was out there. And what was popular was Shadows Fall. With the with Their album was just released, The War Within. Lamb of God, Ashes of the Wake had just come out. And, you know, bands like Hatebreed and Killswitch, Engage, Trivium, all these bands, as I laid dying, they were all super popular. But I hadn't heard of any of them. And and that, I also wasn't following Ozfest at the time, but when you realize when you look at Ozfest, all these bands were playing Ozfest every other year or every year. You know, some of them every other year, some of them repeated themselves in a couple years in a row, and you know they were all playing the second stage. And it was it was um, I finally went in 2005 to my second Ozfest, and it was so different from the first one I went to in '99. And there was Static Static X, there was Slipknot. It was Godsmack. All those bands that had just come out at that time, they were doing, you know, Ozfest 99. So there was a big change between 99 and, you know, that five years, there was a lot of bands that came out and the music scene completely changed. I just remember, uh, you know, when this started happening, you know, I went to a lot of concerts back then and uh, I went with my, my friends and we just saw a really big change happening. There was kind of a divide in the audience because you you had metalcore bands 
playing with some of the other, you know, more melodic, etc. Like they, they were kind of mixed together, but it almost felt like the audience was was very different and divided in a way, and it's unfortunate. But there was there was something going on where I would see the way that people were acting and moshes were were um, a little less friendly. That's weird to say the mosh pit's friendly, but th- there's always been kind of like a good naturedness to it. But there was something happening where it was just different mindsets happening, and then I think that's probably just something that happens anytime there's new genres where uh, people are just kind of feeling it out and finding, you know, where they fit into the spectrum. I remember going to a concert uh, for a friend of mine who was was a metalcore singer. I worked with this guy, and and he invited me to go to his concert. So I went with a friend. And I, I honestly just didn't feel like I fit there, which was a weird feeling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, metalcore in it as it as it's at its core <laughs> started, you know, as punk began to cross over more into metal. Now that that really did begin in the eighties, specifically around the time Anthrax became popular, because you know that whole New York City hardcore scene they 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 kind of embraced it and so you know sod became popular so they sod held on to a lot of the punk aspects of it while trying to keep it thrashy anthrax you know it's always anthrax and they were always kind of goofing off and stuff like that and and they remain thrashy to to some extent while still you know embracing some some hardcore elements but as the, the late 80s turned into the 90s things began to change and, and the hardcore scene got harder kind of harder and harder and and then a band like Hatebreed emerged doing what this genre does now but they were doing it still more punky than what ended up becoming metalcore which is that that certain rhythm the certain beats the certain style that they have so they were kind of like the grandfathers of of metalcore and you know, it, it blended into what then eventually became the American wave, or, or excuse me, the new wave of American heavy metal, which was a takeoff on the new wave of British heavy metal. Two completely different styles of music. <laughs> but still, you know, and that's when bands like As I Lay Dying, Shadows Fall, and Lamb of God began to emerge. I know you are not a big fan of metalcore. I am not a huge fan of metalcore, but I'm more I'm more open to it than you are. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I would hate to say that I'm closed off to anything because I always give it a chance. But there's just certain sounds like to the to the the music, certain styles of playing, meshing what the what the guitars and the drums are doing at the same time. Just certain stylistic choices in metalcore that I just don't care for. And I, you know, I the thing is, I, I don't want to be closed off, but at the same time, I like what I like. So it's it's difficult for me to really even analyze a lot of this kind of music because I just can't really get into it. And I and I I completely agree on how you talk about not wanting to be closed-minded, not wanting to close yourself out be, be from that genre. But at the same time, there's just certain things you, you, you like, like sort of like how Eddie Trunk talks about. He just doesn't like screaming. You know, mm-hmm. he's going to interview the, the the Randy Blythes of the world, even though they they scream. It's still not going to be his choice of music. Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing for me. Now, what, what attracted me at first to metalcore was 
the drums, the the consistent pounding, the double bass, the 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 rhythmic, almost tribal kind of sense to it, and that that's what was really attractive to me at first. What detracted from me to me from the music was the screaming. Um, it, it's just something that I couldn't quite grasp, and it's funny because I like Sepultura, and and Max is a growler, a screamer. You know, he's got that gruff voice, but there's something about Max that's just enjoyable. You know, as opposed to uh, some of these bands where they're just straight up screaming, and you know, and that combination between hardcore hardcore punk scream and and, and the, the death metal screaming. It's it's. It's and see, I would I would even call there. it death metal growling. I wouldn't call it screaming. Right. I mean, there's pretty significant differences among the different genres of of the style of that guttural sound, like the scream or the growl, etc. Which is which is a stylistic choice as well. And so there's certain bands that they they gravitate towards doing more of a um, a guttural scream. And I think that's really kind of what's more associated with metalcore. You know, that you have the soft, uh, or not the soft, but the the clean vocals mixed with, you know, the the, the guttural sounds. And I don't know. Um, that's that's a, a a choice that really appeals to a lot of people. I think it's more accessible in a way. You know, it allows when you hear the the, the clean vocals. I think sometimes people can get more into that, and they're able to kind of grasp both if they have that option you know like they're they're hearing the the growls and they may not enjoy that as much but then they get the clean vocals and then it's kind of the transition you know you, you, oh i you know i hear this more and more and i'm fine with it now yeah sort of like when i first heard slipknot i couldn't quite get into the screaming in the in the guttural growl because that was closer to almost a death metal style of vocals mm-hmm. and yet he was able to incorporate clean vocals into it, and Corey is such a good singer that it's it 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 worked for them, and it still works to this day. I mean, they are who they are. Um, it's funny that you say that because because that you're a hundred percent right. It's it's allowed them to a lot of popularity, um, but it's funny. I I listen to uh, my music mixes and. Sometimes I'll, it'll play lots of music that I like, and then every once in a while something else will pop in that I don't know. And a song came on the other day, and I was like, "Man, this is really kind of cool." And then then the vocals started, and it was it was a Slipknot song, and I was like, "Oh man!" <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember what song it was? I really don't. Um, but I liked the riff a lot. It was just the vocals I couldn't get into, and I know that's gonna upset some some people listening. Um, but I, I have nothing but respect for for Corey Taylor and his his uh, his talent. Um, but for me, it's just not it's not on my I'm not on the same page. See now, I, I am a Slipknot fan, um, but at the same time, they there are about I would say there's about half the music that they put out that I'm not into. Um, call me you know a bandwagon jumper or call me a mainstreamer or whatever you want. But those are the songs from Slipknot that I like. They're mainstream stuff. They're stuff that's cr- that has that crossover appeal. I'm not into some, like 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 I think it was the song Purity off the first album. It's just not my thing. But then there's a you know uh, there's weird songs like uh, I believe it's Eyeless. Purity has an interesting story at least. 
Say what? Purity actually has a really kind of interesting story behind it, too. Yeah, but it's still not my kind of song. You know, it, it's just weird. Um, but, you know, like, I love Wait and Bleed. I love Sick. I mean, Sick has got, it, it's just all balls to the wall. And it has that, there's a little rhythm in there that's got, you know, that death metal. You know, the, the classic Florida American death metal style to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, and I have no problem with the screaming in that song because I can I can almost understand it to to a degree, you know. And even even with uh, "Wait and Bleed," like I like the Terry Date mix version of the song better because that's the one where he's singing clean vocals throughout the whole song. Mm-hmm. But I can still get into the regular version that has the the the, the growling vocals. So. Slipknot to me is again one of those crossover things where I can accept it because I can understand it. You know, especially like Volume Three is my favorite album from them. You know, so I was it Subliminal Verses. You know, Before I Forget, great song. Uh, Vermilion Part Two, I believe, is a great song. Um, I forgot what the other one is. Uh, the, the the big hit that they had off of that one. Um, I love the album. You know, so I'm just going brain dead right now on the on the song title, but you know it's. It's definitely one where it takes some getting used to. And I think that's the whole thing with metalcore and, and, and this extreme style of metal that's out now is a lot of getting used to it. And if it's not your thing, it's not your thing, and you're never going to be your thing. Whoops. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, I, I, I like I said, I know how you feel about it. Um, so this week we challenged ourselves to listen to some bands, um, some older, mostly, for the most part, they're all older um, metalcore bands. Kill Switch Engage, Hatebreed, Lamb of God, Shadows Fall, As I Laid Dying. Uh, and not, not so much with As I Laid Dying. I, I did mention Ginger, their newer band, um, to, for you to listen to. And even I couldn't get through listening to all of Ginger just because it's just a lot to listen to. <laughs> It was a rough week for me. <laughs> <laughs> now, of the bands that I just mentioned, I'm a fan mostly of Shadows Fall. I love their album, The War Within. Uh, I love, I believe it's the album called Retribution. Th- those albums, to me, are really, really good. There are some songs on some other albums that they have that, that are also good, but the whole the album as a whole doesn't really do it for me. Um, you had your opinion about Shadows Fall. You, you it didn't it just did nothing for you, right? Yeah, I, I think the 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 first one that I could sort of get into was um, for them. What was it? The Art of Balance. That oh, was really? the, okay. the that was the what the third album they released. I think so. Um, I think it was also probably their kind of breakout album. I remember some of these songs, and I and I actually kind of enjoyed the cover of "Welcome to the Machine" uh, that they did for Pink Floyd. So that I think was the the easiest for me to get into. Uh, you had mentioned the album "The War Within," right? And I just I just couldn't do it. It would just wasn't it wasn't really hitting it for me. I don't mind the guy's vocals. Uh, uh, was it Brian, Brian Fair? Brian Fair? Mm-hmm. But 
I don't know, just something about the this the general style just doesn't work for me too well. And uh I tried, I went through multiple albums, I even listened to some of the stuff from the newest one. And uh I I don't know. I, I can see that they're they're making some, some changes. There was a there was a couple songs on the newest one that I kind of enjoyed a bit more. Um, there was one called Nothing Remains that was kind of cool. Uh, so I did try. I mean, I went through and, and found at least a song or two that I could, I could you know, say, this is not bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I Look, I know, how, I, I know how you feel. I, I've tried to get Matt to listen to Shadows Fall, and he just can't do it. Um, you can't do it. And I get it. It's, it's all a matter of taste. I fell in love with the War Within album. I thought it was great. Um, pretty much right after I, I started listening, said Jason Bittner became my favorite drummer. Uh, he's really cool. Now he's a drummer for Overkill. I, I think he's just so accessible as a, as a as a musician. I mean, he loves to to put himself out there. Um, he's kind of almost the mouthpiece of, the, of Shadows Fall. Uh, now he's almost kind of the uh, uh, one of the mouthpieces for Overkill, you know, besides Bobby. Uh, Bobby, you know, has always been uh, Bobby Blitz has always been the, the mouthpiece for Overkill, but now Jason kind of is taking lead because Jason's such a vet, you know, and such a good drummer. He's such a great musician, and so on the Shadows, uh, the Shadows Fall, the War Within Deluxe Edition, they had uh, a DVD that had some had a basically a drum clinic and a guitar clinic from the guitar players from the band Jonathan Denai, who is now a member of Anthrax, and Matt. Uh, oh, Matt Bashand, I think is his name, how, how you say it. He's now part of the band with Chris Broderick uh, and Glenn Drover. I can't remember. Uh, Active Defiance, I think is the name of the band. He's actually playing bass for them. So it, it tells you you know, how good a musician these guys, musicians these guys are. The War Within album... I, I mean, songs like "Light uh, the Light That Blinds, Enlightened by the Cold, What Drives the Weak, those songs to me are super, super cool songs. Uh, I know they're tough for you to, to listen to. You know, but after that album, it kind of, for them, it kind of went down, almost downhill to some degree. Uh, it, they, they didn't follow up War Within with a strong album. They came out with The Threads of Life, and it, it just was not as strong. One really, really good accessible song, and then after that, it was kind of like mm. they released a another album that was called Fallout from the War, which had basically leftover songs from the War Within that also had one or two songs on it. It was more of an EP plus a couple covers. Then it came out with Retribution. Retribution is my second favorite album from Shadows Fall really cool tunes and there's one that's really interesting on there it's a song called war on there the lyrics are by bob marley and they just changed his they took his lyrics and they just changed the music completely so it's it's kind of a split songwriting credit really. yeah that's pretty interesting i did listen to that one yeah that, that that's pretty cool so i mean Shadows Fall, and, and they're no longer together but yet they're still technically an active band they uh they're on hiatus I think it was uh, Jason Bittner was hinting that they might have a reunion pretty soon. Um, it was just one thing. I, I think they just, they felt like it ran its course and they weren't going anywhere and they really needed to make some more money. 
So each of the members went their own way, doing their own thing. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it was it was kind of weird. You know, they they just I think they hit a wall. The bass player left. He was the first one to leave. And then after that, it was kind of like, all right, what do they do now? And they really didn't have anything planned. So they, you know, after Fire in the Sky, it was a matter of where do we go from here? And I think mm-hmm. they really, they had built up and built up, and then all of a sudden it just kind of stopped. You know, whereas band like Lamb of God kept building and kept building and kept getting stronger. And now mm-hmm. we know where Lamb of God is today. I mean, they're one of the strongest bands out there. Yeah. So, so speaking of Lamb of God, you and I talked about them as well and you listen to them and you think you like them or you're able to deal with them more right yeah i mean for the most part i think the vocals to me are more accessible uh for for what i enjoy uh, and that makes a big difference the the problem i have with with bands like lamb of god is i always feel like they're building up to something that never comes and i think it's maybe based around the the style of music that I grew up listening to. And so I've always kind of liked that, that big crescendo of, you know, a song builds up towards something and then there there's kind of like the cool down. Like there's 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 an ebb and flow. And it, it for me, like I think a lot of metalcore is is finding a really cool rhythm or polyrhythm or something you know, something that is very exciting and building upon that but but in a, a very technical way, and it never quite has that musicality. Um, and that, that maybe not the the right way to say it, um, but it doesn't have that 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 growth in a way that I think that that really appeals to me. And so I think for somebody that's more interested in the the, the technical aspect of of you know the 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 rhythm, I guess, is going to enjoy it more than I would. But Lamb of God, I think, is is one of those that I can, I can listen to more. If I went to a concert, I'd probably enjoy myself. Yeah, I mean, Lamb of God. Which what was weird about Lamb of God for me was, you know, I saw them on Ozfest, and they were really cool, and they were similar style. But the the vocals to me, they have that. It's not even a scream. They they're in the opposite direction. They're not guttural like death metal. They're not necessarily screaming like most metalcore bands are straight up screaming. He's kind of like taking it one notch down from from his regular tone and and sings in a very punk kind of way, where especially like the California punk, where you you know you, it was hard to kind of you couldn't understand what they were singing about, but he does it in a slower format than punk does so it's it's a very strange very unique style that's all his because i don't think i've heard anybody sing like him and there's parts that he does scream don't get me wrong because that's their style but um there's certain songs where or the majority of songs are of that kind of weird tone that he has and that's uniquely his that's the first thing that kind of turned me off to Lamb of God, but what I what turned me on to Lamb of God was the, the incredible technicality of their playing. Chris Adler is an amazing drummer. Uh, his brother is an amazing guitar player. Mark Morton, an amazing guitar player. So they, as a band, they're really really good, and I love how they come up with some of their stuff. And and 
they're more accessible because they do tend to follow and we were talking about this before what a song structure is you know it's intro verse chorus or intro verse bridge chorus or you know, intro verse pre-chorus chorus however you want to go guitar solo out you know type of that kind of song structure you know simple normal kind of structure obviously built within their style they have those songs like that a lot of metalcore songs don't and they're they're playing just to play and they they have that intro scream lyrics <laughs> and i don't want to i don't want to knock them that bad but you know it's, it's intro you know they're screaming there's the, the first verse and then they they go into something which remotely resembles a chorus and then there's you know then they go into their their staccato beats and and you know they break it down they don't they're not much soloing you know and then when they do solo the the good ones are the ones that solo and and speaking of which I was listening to As I Lay Dying on the way home today. And quite honestly, I was impressed by the guitar soloing. Very, very melodic guitar soloing. And, and I was listening to, I think it was their third album. Uh, I'll get the title in a second. And it was just really cool. I was like, this is not as bad as I thought it was. Um, yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing that turns me off about As I Lay Dying is is the vocals. But it's funny, I like Tim Lambesis' other projects. I mean, he's done uh, Austrian Death Machine, which I really love, where he does, uh, basically he does songs that are all related to Arnold Schwarzenegger in his films. <laughs> and it's just fantastic. And then he did another project called Pyrithian, uh, which unfortunately got derailed because of his, his time in prison. Um, but he did that album... Or, or he did a, a three-track uh, demo, which is just amazing and heavy, heavy, heavy. So good. Um, I wish he would kind of return to that project because I would love to hear more of it. Um, but uh, there are things about As I Lay Dying that, that are enjoyable to me. Just something about the way he does his vocals in that band I don't care for. Understood. And, and so I was listening to the album An Ocean Between Us, and it was I thought it was really good. Um, I, I was surprised that the song Nothing Left, which is one of their hits off the album, was uh, a very good song. I was like, you know what? This is much better than I thought, much much better than I anticipated it was going to be. And, you know, uh, um, I don't want to use the word surprised. I'm, I'm pleased by the fact that I was able to quote unquote discover something that's so old and and kind of be happy with it you know and a lot of people are probably out there saying told you so or about time <laughs> you know but it's one of those things where it, you know when you go to a, especially when you go to like an Ozfest right and these bands are playing the second stage and, and you got to go back and forth between the main stage and the second stage you know realistically all you hear out there is two different two things you hear the drums pounding and you hear some dude just screaming at the top of his lungs. And if you don't know the songs, it's really hard to discern what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the only time you can discern something is when it hits the breakdown part. And it's like, you know, and it's just this constant pounding. You know? Yeah. And then the show's and that, over. That, that's like my least favorite part of metalcore is the <laughs> breakdowns. <laughs> and I, I mean, that's the part I like. I like I feel, that stuff. I feel bad because I, I don't know. 
I don't know. There's, there's, I'm, I'm trying to find positive things to say, and I really do, because I do have a lot of respect for the effort that these guys put in and their, their musical talent. Um, so I'm trying not to complain or you know say too much bad. <laughs> but it is what it is. You like what you like, mm-hmm. you know. So is it bad? That's your opinion, you know. A lot of people out there love it, you know. Mm-hmm. So. You know, but when you go to these concerts, and, you know, then the show's over. You go to the next, you know, you go to the next stage. You go back to the main stage, and there's a band that's more accessible because the main stage is that way. It builds up more and more, and then you get to the end of that show, and you go back to the second stage, and you know they play right away. So all of a sudden, you know, again, it's the pounding, it's all this. So it gets pretty insane. Yeah, and if you don't know the bands, it is way difficult to to really understand what's going on that being said you know i i've seen all these bands at hosfest you know, hate breed there's this one song uh, live for this love that song you know and it's one song man i will i did not forget that song when i went home i'm like that live for this live live i mean love that song it's awesome it's the only song i know by hate breed <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know it's cool um because I mean, hate breed is kind of one of those those interesting cases though because they're one of the originators of that style and when you're when you're at the the precipice of of starting a new style sometimes you have different uh aspects of it like like i want to talk a little bit about mashuga because mashuga is very you know known as a band that's known for doing gent um but they're not really to me they're not really in the gent genre because they're the guys that kind of created it. But it wasn't, um, you know, to follow a style. They're just really technical players. And, you know, they kind of originated that sound that people have taken and, and gone in, in a, a further direction with it. Absolutely. I mean, in talking about gent music, I mean, I'm, I was trying to listen to it the other day. And to me, you know, you you, you take all the elements of metalcore and you turn and you you take all these extremely talented musicians that you know love to go off time <laughs> love to do mathematics in their head you know and you know you have this this music that is is it's incredibly technical and but where the technicality is is where it it strays away from your standard kind of song and so that's what i guess differentiates gent from metalcore where metalcore differentiated itself from you know thrash and, and stuff like that and punk and hardcore so each one just keeps splintering away a little bit more which is fine you know i i could not get into some of these gent bands i just couldn't yeah, it, for me it's hard. When I first started listening to Meshuggah around the time that they first started, they're not, I wouldn't say one of my favorite bands, but at the same time I do enjoy a lot of the music. And I, I have a lot of respect for them because they they really have a lot of just pure musical talent and, and, and knowledge about what they're doing. Like they, they really understand music theory. Um. They're, but they're also super technical, and they're a band that seeing them live is just—it's a—it's a—it's a freaking—it's a sight to see. I mean, that's—that's—I—I've I, had—I've been with 
people at concerts that did not care for them, but once they saw them live, they were mind blown. Because I think there's 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 a difference between just listening to it and actually seeing just what goes into playing it. Exactly. They, you know, from what I understand, because I'm not into Meshuggah whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually listened to the album that you told me to listen to the other day that's like one big long song. <laughs> that's a tough one. That's Catch 33. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. And I listened to it. I mean, you know what? It, it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it was bad, but it's one of those things where it's kind of like, it, it all sounds like one song because every song is like a minute and a half to two minutes long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's per- obviously it's per- it's purposeful. It's meant to be that way. It's, it, it, they blend into each other on purpose. Get it. But it, it was, I don't want to say it was a difficult listen. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just not my style. Yeah. You know, it's not my style at all. Um, and I tried to, to listen to it for the aspect of research <laughs> and to understand what Meshuggah was about and how they were the pioneers of gent music. And so it's understandable, you know, and, and they're, you know, again, they're, they're screaming that style of scream that's out there, but it's not my thing, you mm-hmm. know, um, the same thing we were, we were looking at, uh, was it math core? We, we, it was one of the, yeah, you know, discuss math core. it's, it's those similar to gent. It's just so extremely technical. Ginger is one of those bands. They fall into that category. They're kind of like you know polyrhythmic. They're kind of mathcore. They're kind of they're metalcore. They're kind of gent. You know what? But that girl has such a great voice, and I don't see the need for her to be screaming. You know, like she's the chick from Arch Enemy. You know, it, it doesn't make sense because when she sings, it's beautiful. She's got a, such a great voice. But that's you know that's funny though because a lot of a lot of metal singers really do have great voices. Oh, they all uh, do. Like Michael Ackerfeld from Opath. Uh, what's what's the guy's name from uh, Soil Work? Uh, Bjorn Strid has a really nice voice outside of uh, you know his his growl and, and death vocals. So I think a lot of and even Alyssa that that sings with um, Arch Enemy. Yeah, she is a, she has a nice voice outside of just just the growls. So I mean it's she the the girl from ginger uh, tatiana i believe her name is she's doing you know what she wants to do which is which is awesome again it's not really it's not really my thing i've tried listening to a few tracks uh a friend of mine uh recommended listening to them and i i you know we a friend of mine and i another friend of mine and i listened to one track together and we were like what (laughs) so we're you know we're sitting there trying to figure out why what the the appeal is but i mean i i i can definitely recognize the talent there's there's no question there the whole band is is very talented but again this is another one that that i just can't really get into yeah i mean they're they're listed under progressive metal you know and and progressive metal is such a big category in the metal genre Oh yeah, because you've got Queen's Reich that falls into that category, Dream Theater that falls into that category. Uh, some people lump Tool into that category. A lot of these mathcore bands fall into that category because they're so technical. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reason why it's called mathcore is because it's so it's it doesn't it's not a four four. Put it that way. 
Okay, mm-hmm. it's not five four. It's not. It's it's like you know seven four seven eight. You know, it's it's all crazy ass uh, time signatures. And Tool is the most popular band that plays that style of of what's the word technical music. I mean, it, I was going to say mathematical, but it's it's technical. And, and Adam Jones and uh, what's the drummer's name? Daniel something. Danny Carey. Danny Carey. They're so, I mean, there's the talent is just oozing out of them. It's crazy, and and all these metalcore bands that are do all this technical stuff, these guys are crazy ass talented. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get I, I get to tell you something. In my opinion, and I've said this before, okay, these musicians in in metal are some of the most talented musicians in the world. They don't get the credit because they're playing the music that they play. I mean, these guys are amazing. They they're right up there with the Steve Vai's. They're right up there with the Joe Satriani's. They're probably a lot of them are better, but nobody knows it. These guys who do these polyrhythms, like like Danny Carey, you know, and Adam Jones, dude, it's insane that they could just think that way, mm-hmm. and and drop a drop a beat that's not in in a four four time. I mean, it's funny though. I've had I've had. Numerous discussions, even defending, I mean, I don't, like I've said, I don't care for the style of music, but I've defended these guys to other people because, uh, you know, I've had people say, well, you know, it's just, it's just mathematical. There's, there's no heart in it. I I completely disagree. You know, it is mathematical, but there is a, there is a, a completely different mindset behind it. And that's what their passion is. So how can you say when there's there's passion in the music, and you can tell it's just a different type of passion? How can you say it has no heart? And that's why I've always even even music I don't like I I can defend because I can tell when somebody's you know has that passion behind it. Absolutely, you know I I'll defend it because it is it is part of the genre that we love, you know, but. I don't have to necessarily go home and listen to it. Again, like I said, these guys are incredible musicians. And yes, their heart goes into it. You know, it sometimes it comes across as as static. I mean, there's some put it this way, there are gonna be some bands where it's not that their heart is not into it. It's they are into it, but they're they're this there's something missing in terms of say the connection to the lyrics. They're just doing it to do it. They're very good at it, mm-hmm. but they may be doing it just because that's what they know how to do, you yeah. know, or, or there's the part of them where it's like, you know what, I'm going to write a song that is so, so technical. It's so out there that, you know, no one's going to understand it. Well, mm-hmm. that's great. You did that. Okay, cool. Now, you know, you're, you're playing, you know. You're playing a seventeen four time. Okay, that's awesome. You know, no one gets it. You don't. The, but that's where the passion. You lose the passion to it because you're trying to force something. And there are yeah. people. There are musicians like that. Don't you know? Don't get me wrong. But I agree with you. A majority of the ones that are out there touring and busting their ass to to make a living, they're passionate about it. That's for sure. So one of the last things I wanted to talk about with metalcore. Because we were we're still we're still I mean they're all in the same kind of vein. I decided to listen to Kill Switch Engage, 
probably for the first time this week. <laughs> I never really gave him a chance. And I was very uh, pleased with a couple of the albums that I heard. So when I get my CD collection back up uh, and displayed, I'm going to start buying a lot of these albums that I think are pretty cool. And Yeah, Kills, Killswitch Engage is an odd one for me because I do actually kind of like the era uh, with their second singer, Howard Jones. I I wasn't into the first guy, which I believe is their their current singer, Jesse Leach. Right, yeah, Jesse. Uh, I something about Howard's vocals I could I could get into a lot more. Um, he he has a, a you know a very distinctive voice, which I think is nice. So I did listen to a bit more of theirs, and I think my introduction to them, as we kind of discussed yesterday, was. Uh, they did a song for CM Punk when he was in WWE years ago, and that was the first time I heard them. And I thought, oh, this is this is pretty cool. So I I picked up uh, one of the albums as Daylight Dies, and I remember kind of liking that one. So I, I you know I've got I've got decent things to say about them. They're I think they're for me one of the more accessible uh, of the genre, but as a whole now with their current lineup i just i don't like it as much and you know i i i haven't been able to sit there and listen to them long enough to to make a comparison between jesse and howard um i know that they've had both singers in there i know both singers have played shows together so they're kind of friendly with each other yeah they have a good working relationship yeah and that's great you know i think they've even recorded a song together so that's cool it's awesome um i know that all these bands and this this is my segue I know all these bands they're all waiting to play for us the fans because one the situation right now is everybody is I would say 99% of them are shut down they're not playing they're not touring they can't play out there some of them some of them have just have turned to doing some streaming gigs some of them have done gone to doing some of those drive-in gigs um, but the the concert scene as we know it today right now is pretty much defunct until things get back to normal um and so a lot of these bands it's tough for them because none of these bands are huge i mean slipknot is huge they you know they've made enough money that where they can continue to be who they are and do what they have to do to continue you know their their living is based on their their past right now if they were if they were concerned about having a tour so that they can continue to make money, they'd be in some serious trouble, like a lot of these other bands are. So yeah. that's that's where it is. A, a lot of this metalcore, a lot of the new wave of American heavy metal that's out there, it's 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 a tough go for it right now. They're trying to figure out what to do, how to make money. A lot of them have gone back to their day jobs. A lot of them are just unemployed. You know, and and the crews that work with them, it's a tough gig because they're unemployed. Essentially, there's no union for those for the crew members, so it's a tough gig out there. So once it ramps up, okay, once it gets all back to normal, once the gigs start flying, okay, this is the question that I have, and it, it's going to go beyond next year. It's going to go beyond 2022. In the future. Which band out of all these bands that we we've discussed, you know, prior, now, in the future, whatever it is, who who is the leader? Who is the band that's going to be able to sit there and be the headliner of a weekend full of 
other bands on a, on a, on a festival. You know, right now, Metallica is still there. A lot of people will disagree with me that, that, that they're the kings or whatever. But you know what? Metallica shows up someplace, it sells out. Okay? Metallica shows up at a festival here in America, and their night is sold out. The next night may not be sold out, but their night is. Or the whole weekend is sold out, but they're, you know, they're going to get the biggest crowd. So that, that's just waiting out. They are the Rolling Stones of heavy metal. You know, they're they're going to do this until they can't do it anymore or until they don't want to do it anymore. So who after them? The next one in line to me is Slipknot. They're the ones still being able to do a knot fest. They're still being able to put these festivals together and headline it and still sell out. But who's the next big sellout band? I don't know. I, I don't either. I mean, I, I, mean I, I think it's one of those situations where there's still a lot of these bands... And I, a lot is, I think, is the wrong way to put it. I think uh, there's still a few of these bands out there that that have that clout, that have that ability to do so, and there's they're gonna have to not be around anymore, in a way, for something new to come and kind of take that brass ring. Right. Exactly. Like, like essentially, Metallica has to retire before someone can truly step it up. Mm-hmm. You know, and and when will that be? Their style of music doesn't lend itself to being played at 70 years old, <laughs> you know, but, you know, they're in their 50s and it, yeah. they're in there. There are people that still do it. I mean, the, you mentioned the Rolling Stone. They're they're 748. They're still playing. <laughs> so. But you know what? Charlie Watts can still play a beat because it's a simple beat. It's not like they're playing speed speed metal. Fair enough. But at the time that they came around, they that that wasn't, you know. That they were they were new and fresh and and different, you know. So for them to still be playing that that music at this this age, when people say, "Oh, you know, grow up when you're when you're older, you won't be into that. It's just a phase," you know. Metallica's still out there, and yeah, they they've played some softer stuff and and they've done some acoustic stuff, but for the most part, they've they're still the same, you know, doing the same songs that they did when they were. 17 years old i mean granted yes they they are but look at bands like anthrax and testament i mean they Mm -hmm. still play with that same intensity that they played back in the day Mm -hmm. you know they're not they're not headlining you know festivals but they're playing they're on the bill but you know and and so you're right what's going to happen you know someone needs to step down for someone else to step up you know Mm -hmm. Slipknot filled that void. Slipknot filled that void for when Ozzy kind of dropped off the the, the festival scene. Um, it, it helped a lot where other festivals started popping up here and there. Yeah, yeah. Um, when Ozzy stopped, you know, because and then that was the other thing too. Ozzy's model for these festivals was kind of messed up. A lot of these bands actually paid them to to get on the bill, as opposed to getting paid to be on the bill. Where like rock on a range and and you know stuff like that. Those bands, you know, there a lot of them started out as, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of them started out as those '80s revival bands. Um, but the 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 festivals turned into these huge events that, you know, this year oddly enough, Metallica was supposed to headline them all, and then boom, the pandemic hit, so they didn't get a chance to. 
but hopefully they'll they'll get their chance in the next couple of years. So you know, and look, bands like Iron Maiden still touring. They're waiting for this thing to to, to stop so that they go back on tour. You know, they have a new album out. They're you know between Iron Maiden and Metallica, they're the two biggest bands in the world, and ACDC. You know, but ACDC's they're at that point where they can't do a full tour anymore. So, the, what's the next level? I mean, like I said, Slipknot's the next level. I was. I told you today I was pleasantly surprised to see how Lamb of God did a few years ago but that wasn't that wasn't even an arena that was a that was a that got a hall I guess you could say and they they sold out they headlined they had a big a big crowd but they're not at that they're not at arena level yet so who's the next arena band you know of these metal bands that that's going to lead the charge no one knows right now yeah. And that's that's a difficult question to answer, and I would love to hear people tell me what their opinion is as to who is the the the, the up and coming leaders that are, that are going to basically become quote unquote mainstream enough to be able to to sell out uh, an arena, to sell out a Madison Square Garden, to sell out an LA Forum, to sell out you know, the, uh, not theater, the AT and T Arena up in in Dallas. Or the Toyota Center here in Houston. Who is that band? Let us know. Tell us what you think. Send us an email. Post it on Facebook. Whatever you want. So. <laughs> Send a carrier pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that that's the question, and, and we don't know the answer at this at this juncture of the game. So that is going to basically put an end to our conversation for tonight. It's it's an open ended question. But we're going to end tonight with the big four from Lamb of God. And that is, it's, it's going to be a very interesting discussion between these songs that we're going to put down because we're not super fans like we are of Megadeth and Metallica and bands like that. But we're going to do our best. Hopefully you don't rip us too many new ones uh, when, it, when it comes to the choice of songs that we have here. So you want to go first or you want me to go first? Um... I think I think uh, I went first last week, so it's your turn. Okay. So, Lamb of God, their big four. <sighs> All right. My number four song for Lamb of God is... <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What was that? that? <laughs> uh... <laughs> because, you know what? I, I, I feel bad because I'm not a super fan or even, uh-huh. even a deep, a regular fan. I'm, uh-huh. I'm a cursory fan. And my list is going to be very mainstream. I don't know how your list is going to be, but my my list is going to be very mainstream. I don't know where mine falls in anything. I just know I just listen to a shit ton of songs and pick the four I like. <laughs> yeah, and that's cool. And, and for me, I mean, I listen to some of the songs and I pick the ones I like, but I, I have a feeling mine are going to be more mainstream. And I have no problem with that. You know why? Yeah. Because that, I like mainstream metal because it's, it's, it's cool, you. <laughs> you know? So, and it's accessible and it's good to listen to and you get to bop your head and all that happy horse shit. So anyway, my number four song from Lamb of God is a new one. Uh, came out on the album Lamb of God that was released this year. It's Memento Mori. I think that is a really, really cool song. And in my opinion, it's probably their best song in 15 years. Oh, no, not 15, 14 years, because I think it's their best song, best album since Sacrament, best, and that's the best song since 
some of the songs that are on that album. I don't want to name just yet. <laughs> okay. All right. So number three, song Hourglass off the Ashes of the Wake LP that came out in 2004. That is the first album that I got from Lamb of God. So that is my first exposure to Lamb of God. And that was one of the songs that I listened to first. And it's pretty cool. I like that song a lot as far as it's a little bit quicker than Laid to Rest, which was the opening track on the on the album. And I think that's what attracted me to the song. Because I do, you know, I do get into the speed stuff from time to time. <laughs> All right. Number two. Now You've Got Something to Die For, which is the song right after Hourglass on Ashes of the Wake. It, that's just a cool song. I mean it's it's just cool i love that song it's awesome but there's one more that i think is more awesome and the number one lamb of god or my favorite lamb of god song is off the sacrament album and it's redneck hands down my favorite lamb of god song it's accessible yet it's still lamb of god and it has that attribute that you and I have been talking about the last few weeks where it stands out from the rest of the album. And you know that's the single. And you know that's the best song on the album. I like it. My number one, Redneck. <laughs> there, There is no freaking way. <laughs> what, all four songs are the same? No. Oh. But it's damn close. <laughs> all right. So... I'm like, I'm just going to go right through this because your list is so ridiculously close to mine. And that's so funny because we had no communication on this whatsoever. None whatsoever. All right. Number four, Memento Mori. <laughs> number three, Ruin off of As the, As the Palaces Burn. That was the first uh, album that I had from Lamb of God. And uh, it was kind of my, my uh, introduction to the band. So... Uh, I remember that album fairly well. Uh, it wasn't enough of an album to to really get me on the bandwagon, uh, but I did listen to it quite a bit, and I I tried. That was the one that I really tried to listen to to, you know, make them one of the bands that I was into. Um, but I remember that song very well. Number two, now you've got something to die for, and number one, redneck. <laughs> That's funny. How is it possible that three out of the four, in the same order, are the same on our big four? That's bizarre. I, I don't find it bizarre. You know why? Because, like I said, it's mainstream. It's it's, it's popular, and they, they stand out. They are really good songs. And Redneck, I, in the last couple of days, I probably listened to a hundred different Lamb of God songs, and those were the four that I picked because they stand out. And Redneck is such a damn good song. That yeah, is it's really good. It is it legitimately awesome. is a good song. Exactly. And the, the, my top two are songs that I that I actually just really legitimately enjoyed. Yes. Cool. All right. So why don't you let them know what we're going to be talking about next week? All right. So next week we're going back to our head-to-head format for just a week. Uh, we're going to be doing Use Your Illusion 1 versus Use Your Illusion 2 from Guns N' Roses. They're two of the biggest albums that Guns N' Roses ever released. Uh, two of the only albums that Guns N' Roses released. <laughs> so we're going to get to the nitty-gritty and go down track for track and uh, you know, really decide which of the two releases is the better. Two album covers that look exactly the same, just different colors, but uh, very different albums. 
Hey, you know what? There are a lot of similarities. You know what I thought? Why don't we do this? We'll go head to head, and at the same time, we'll make like a compilation of which is the best songs on it. I think that's a cool challenge. Like? Almost like a head to head greatest hits. Okay. I think that we should do that. Let's do it. Awesome. So next week, we're going to pick the definitive Use Your Illusion album. Awesome. And go head to head. All right. So we'll see you next week. And remember, always turn it up to 11. See ya.